0614-104-0303. This is the Morning Drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here and joining us in studio, studio, studio as he does every month, Jay Shepard, the National Republican Committee man for the Re- State of Vermont Republican Party. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Kurt. Before we get into any big topics, Hi. Jay, what is your, uh, how did you, what was your, how was your Thanksgiving? It was very quiet, very nice. Uh, lots to be thankful for. Uh, even in with this administration in place, there are still a lot of things that God is blessing us with, and we need to be grateful and thankful, especially for our families. Very well said. Very good. Good message. And if you experienced higher prices, it's all in your mind. Look at me, Jay. <laughs> prices have gone down. Yeah, gas gas is only up a little <laughs> over a dollar a gallon. Uh, overall pricing is up sixteen point nine percent. Uh, groceries are up 20.7%. I know. And I don't even have notes. I mean, we could go on and on. Well, you know. I, I just, I, I just, I, you know, when somebody says, oh, Biden's too old for the job or whatever, I'm like, but the dude will say anything. He has cojones. I mean, to get up there and just say, say what's on the prompter that it's, it's what you're experiencing isn't happening. Right. Because in his mind, it may be happening or it may not be happening. We're not quite sure. Uh, and they get away with it. That's the biggest part of it. And I think going in that, that same uh, vein, I think there's a debate coming up between uh, Newsom and DeSantis, and I think you're going to see a lot of that coming out of California where they're just going to say things that, and hope people uh, continue to believe the untruths that are out there. Well, well, yeah, what do you expect to see? Are you going to be watching that tomorrow? What do you expect to see come out of that? I, I think you're going to see uh, a very successful governor go against a governor that, uh, has people fleeing his state in big numbers. Uh, there's a reason for that. People know what's happening in their states, and that they can, that's the nice thing, that at least in this country we have a choice between where we live in some cases, uh, you know, those who can, uh, ha- those who have the resources, have the ability to move, which is really sad because a lot of people get stuck where they are. They have no choice. They have no options. And that same holds true with the school choice issue. That we're finding those in the inner cities that really need a school choice, they don't they don't receive it. Uh, Florida has a great school choice program, one of the best in the nation. California locks you into failing schools and charges people outrageous taxes uh, to support schools that are failures. But Newsom is is pretty articulate, so he's gonna he's gonna be prepared with some comebacks, right? Lifelong politician, you know, in the Pelosi vein, uh, you know, isn't DeSantis? No. Life- DeSantis no. he was, was in a, Congress uh, for a number of years before he became governor. Well, what about military service? Is that important? Anyone? I'm just asking you the question. <laughs> well, not lifelong politician. They weren't raised on the knee of politicians like uh, Newsom has been. Is Newsom, he's he's Nancy Pelosi's nephew. Yes. Okay, I wanted to confirm that. Callers have said that. Uh, it's hard to Google it because, you know, they, they sanitize everything. So. Well, Google sanitizes everything because they're... A, part of the, the liberal arm of this administration. Take a look at what uh, Jack Smith just did, where he try, he subpoenaed trying to find every record on Twitter of anyone who's ever liked, uh, followed, or been involved with any of the tw- uh, Trump tweets in the, in the, in the day. I mean, what, why does he need that information? What does he do with it? What's this government doing with all our private information, if not, you know, weaponizing the Department of Justice? 
JB, uh, before we go on to a bunch of other topics, I want to give you a chance to uh, comment on the shooting of the three Palestinian 20-year-olds in Burlington uh, Saturday night or Saturday at some point. I think it's a... It's indicative of what's happening uh, in Burlington and what's happening in this country, that uh, crimes are taking place all the time. Uh, I believe that all crimes are hate crimes. Uh, people don't do it because they love somebody. Uh, and I think it's, it's a tragedy that people can't walk down the street and feel safe anymore. Uh, I think we have mental health issues that are only addressed when tragedies like this happen. Uh, when they don't happen, people kind of push it aside and, and, and don't address it. We really do need to address the mental health issues. Uh, bringing it back to the hate crime and the conversation that's going on with that. I believe all crimes should be prosecuted equally. Uh, somebody who shoots somebody should go to jail, period. Someone who attempts murder should go to jail. People who commit crimes should go to jail and suffer consequences of that. Uh, whether you hate somebody or whether you know you hardly know them at all, the fact is you are committing a crime and you should be prosecuted to the maximum and you should pay the price for your actions. Jay, what do you think about uh, in the last week or so, including in the last day or so on Senator Welch, Congresswoman Becca Ballant uh, changed her position and said that there should be a ceasefire. Senator Welch has now said that there should be a indefinite ceasefire, he's called it, in, between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Uh, what do you think about uh, Welch and and um, uh, Becca Ballant's position now? I, I think it's it's put their finger up, uh, wet their finger, put it up to the wind, and see where people are. Uh, they follow the the lead of others. This has been part of the plan all along that they'll let it go for a moment. Uh, but the truth is, they've never really supported Israel, and they're not supporting them now. Israel is our strongest ally in the world right now, along with Great Britain. Uh, we need to support our allies. We need to make sure that people are safe. You know, we'll get down to the bottom line is that if uh, the goal of Hamas is to destroy Israel. So if there was a ceasefire, there'd be no war. That would be obvious. But the war will continue until Hamas is, is done away with, and we need to continue to be very strong there. And I think it's a weak position. I think they don't understand the situation there. Uh, they keep talking about a two-state uh, solution. There was a two-state solution in 1947. Uh, Jordan was Palestine, and Israel was Israel. Uh, Jordan is a much larger area, a much larger population. There was plenty of opportunity there. Uh, this two-state solution is already in place. Uh, so what we need to do is we still have to stop terrorism, and Hamas is the leading terror organization right now in the world. What do you, what do you think about, uh, there are some, grow, I guess a growing number of Democrats in Congress, I don't know that it's a majority yet, but who are calling for there to be uh, conditions put on any U.S. aid to Israel. And well, I think some of those conditions seem to be what Senator Welch is saying, which is to have a more discriminate, uh, um, not have the widespread bombing that's that's probably hurting civilians and kids, et cetera. Well, I think there should be conditions on every dollar that leaves this country that goes to a foreign nation. I think there should be conditions on every dollar, on every bill that happens in Congress. I absolutely agree that we have to, when we're sending our hard-earned money to foreign nations, that we have to know where it's going. We have to know where it's going in the Ukraine. We have to know where it's going in every country in the world. And I, I do agree that there has to be conditions on money spent 
uh, when given to foreign nations. Exactly what those conditions are, that's where the conversations take place. But do you think that we should have conditions that sort of have us micromanaging Israel's response? No, we should not be micromanaging countries. Uh, Our foreign policy should be that we do things in the best interest of the United States, and that best interest includes supporting and defending a nation that is constantly under attack, where their enemy is Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran, Syria, and perhaps Turkey that want to eliminate our closest ally, the only democracy in the area, and wipe them off the face of the earth. There's no negotiation with terrorists, and the Israelis know what it takes to protect their own country and their own people and stop children from being murdered. We've had callers call this show, at least one or two, who've said, why, why is it important that we defend Israel? Why is it important they're our ally? What do we get out of that? Well, I'm just repeating questions we've heard on the show. Well, and, and we have to question that every time we give aid and support to anyone. Uh, let's, let's not just open our pocketbooks up and support countries for various reasons. But I believe there's a moral... Um, it's very, very important that we protect those who are innocent. It's also important that we are friendly nations that are there when we need them. Uh, we can't do this in the world by ourselves. When you look at some of the relationships that are being built between Russia, Iran, North Korea, and China, and some of these other nations, if we don't also have a team where we can fight back. I mean, our government right now is so weak that if we don't have the support of some allies and protect their interests that are really our interests in the long run, then we're really out there on, on a ledge by ourselves, and, and we can't do that. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I don't know if people realize the amount of money and transactions that are happening between China and Iran. They just signed a, what is it, a, a seven-year deal worth billions and billions of dollars China's going to buy energy from Iran, uh, which, of course, fuels the the entire uh, uh, operation of Hamas. Uh, and, and we're just idly sitting back, cleaning the streets of San Francisco for the president of China, who literally is, 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 is funding uh, a majority of what's happening in the Middle East right now. Well, not just the Middle East. We're seeing what they're doing in Africa, yeah. what they're doing in Central and South America. They are on the move because whenever there's a vacuum, they they fill it. And there's a vacuum in this country right now. All right. Well, we got to take a quick break. And uh, we'll be right back uh, with Jay Shepard, Mackenzie. It's the Morning Drive on FM 96.3 and AM 620. News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. We are back with Jay Shepard. If you got a question from Jay, come on, let's roast him a little bit. 888-414-0303. Well, the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline is open. And uh, give a give a call. You can call and agree with everything Jay's saying or call and take him on. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, pretend that you're the, the liberal left media uh, and you're calling on <laughs> any any Republican that's out there for anything they stand for. And uh, we'll, we'll tell you why uh, we're right. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk turkey then. Let's talk uh, uh, well, turkey. Um, Do you like the stuffing that's cooked outside the turkey or no, inside? It's got to be cooked in the. It's got to be cooked in the bird, and I like a little sausage in it because I like the sausage fat to make the turkey. All moisture. right, all right, boys. <laughs> I can talk now. food forever. Uh, so the Koch brothers, uh, and back in 2016, right? They they were they went they went all in against Trump. 
Uh, and uh, this time around, they just decided um, their pack is going to support Nikki Haley. And um, what do you think of that? Uh, what they've said all along is that they've been looking for a candidate that can beat Donald Trump. That's been their goal. That's been the effort. Uh, it looks like things are trending in Nikki Haley's way. Uh, DeSantis campaign has not been as successful as we thought they would be and how good they are. Uh, and so they went within a direction where they think they can make a difference in stopping Donald Trump. Uh, Americans for Prosperity is in every state. They're a very large organization. Uh, Grover Norquist, who was here uh, earlier this month, the Republican uh, runs these center-right meetings, which is a lot of it's financed by the, the Koch organization and Americans for Prosperity. Uh, it will make a difference. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how what difference it makes in Iowa, though. Uh, they're a more liberal organization. They're more money-oriented. They are not as strong uh, on the border as some other organizations. You've got the Club for Growth, who went the other way, uh, who are supporting DeSantis. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of these large money organizations that are, are looking for someone other than Trump. Trump continues to lead in the, in the polls, though. Is there only, as they call it, Two tickets coming out of Iowa or three tickets coming out of Iowa moving on? Do you think that's the case? It really depends on where Trump's numbers are. If Trump numbers are in the, the mid-50s, I see only one other candidate that will come out of there with him. Uh, there will be somebody in the high teens. Nikki Haley? 20s. Uh, I or think whoever's that, second. I think, yeah, I think DeSantis has uh, the organization and with evangelicals. And if you look at the people who have won in the past in Iowa – you're looking at Santorum, Huckabee, Cruz. There have been some surprises there. Far right, yeah. And even this time uh, in 2015, Trump was ahead in the polls. Cruz won because of the organizational efforts that go on with the evangelicals in Iowa. So it's going to be tough for Nikki Haley in Iowa. I, I think if she performs exceedingly well, then it could be a two-person race. Uh, my predictions are that she'll come in third Uh and her real strength of making a real move will be in New Hampshire. But at this point, it's still Trump. But isn't DeSantis putting all his marbles in in Iowa right now? I mean, uh, not all of them. He's in New Hampshire, too. But he's, like, counting on a big performance in Iowa. He is. He is. Because he is, he is the true conservative in the race. Um, and it is a conservative-leaning state in the caucuses. And caucuses are so different than primaries. If you lived in Iowa right now, and we're going to the Iowa caucuses, who would you be voting for? If I was a national committee man in Iowa, I would not be able to commit to that. But you're not. <laughs> uh, because I, Iowa so has a strict policy. So you can easily tell us that. Iowa has a very strict policy that RNC members do not endorse in the primary and in the caucuses. But what about just Jay Shepard? You're not the Republican committee man in Iowa. I, I want someone that will win in November of 2024. Uh, I have not publicly supported anyone at this point. I am leaning towards a couple of candidates. Uh, to be frank, and I will take a lot of grief for this, uh, I find it very difficult for the former president to be reelected. And so that is what's stopping me from endorsing him. He was a fantastic president, uh, and but things have happened since then where I don't believe the the public is as enthusiastic for him as they once were. And I just want to make sure that if he is the nominee, that he can win. So right now I am not announcing. So even though there's polls that show him leading Biden, you think he's will have trouble winning? You know, 
we have to take a look at polls. Like I just said, you know, in Iowa in 2015, Trump was the overwhelming favorite in the primary, in the caucuses. He did not win. But with that being said, the last three who have won the caucuses in Iowa have not won the nomination. Exactly. But uh, it can give them a boost going into New Hampshire. It gives them a boost, and it's really, really important. And, and when we're talking about polls and all the things, no one has voted yet. The, the election will take place on January 15th and January 23rd in New Hampshire. So those are real elections. Those are when people actually can speak out and because polls just don't work. I mean, they, you know, think of all the people. I mean, Hillary Clinton would probably still be president right now if the polls were right. <laughs> Dear God. Let's go to the phones on that one. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. You know, Jay, I, I'm disappointed beyond words that Tim Scott just went nowhere with his campaign because to me, he had the most Reagan-esque message out there and um, him being my favorite president of all all times, naturally I was attracted to him. But I think right now I'm leaning towards Nikki Haley. I can see that in in some of the messages and when you see some of the polling with independence and all of that, she does extremely well. Uh, I have to disagree with you on the, the Reagan issue. He's my second favorite president. Uh, Coolidge. Cal- Calvin Coolidge is my favorite president. <laughs> uh, and people used to argue at our, at our house, well, your kids are conservative because you push them in that direction. I said, no, we argue all the time. I mean, who was better, Coolidge or Reagan? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't hold back in my family. But why did, because I feel like the caller, I was very excited about yeah. Tim Scott's campaign. Why did he bomb so bad? For a couple of reasons. It's really indicative of what's happened in this country and the anger that's taking place out there. And the American public are, is very angry right now about where we are, where we are in world standings, where we are with the economy, all those kind of things. And he wasn't, he's not a fighter openly. Uh, he, to be honest with you, of all those running, he was my favorite as well. Uh, I had a small breakfast with him. I had spoken to him a few times. Uh it just didn't ignite with the energy and what has become in this country where we're throwing bombs at each other. Uh, and that's kind of what uh, the Republican base is looking for right now. They're looking for someone that's going to fight back. And, it, you know, everybody talks about a revenge tour with, with Trump and all of that. Something really has to be done. And I don't think there was confidence that uh, Senator Scott would be tough enough and angry enough to – Go against the establishment and drain the swamp. I think that was the real issue there. Do you think, what do you make of uh, Joe Manchin talking about, he is openly talking about the possibility that he runs, that he runs under the no labels movement, that maybe there's a Republican running with him. That seems to be the idea. Do you think that really might happen if it's Trump-Biden come next spring? I I think there's going to be a lot of people that see the weaknesses uh, of those two quite, elderly gentlemen that are running for president. Uh, there's nothing uglier or more embarrassing than a politician out of office. And, and I think you're going to see it with Manchin and those people. Why did you stare at me intently when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> well, some people rise from the ashes and do well. Uh, but I think... It, he gave me a stare when he said that. <laughs> immediately after you know realizing that People aren't going to be coming to you because you don't have anything that you can deliver for them, that you can't give back the money they gave the government. Yeah. Uh, you, you don't have the followers. I think you're looking at you know a possible Manchin-Hogan ticket. Hulk Hogan? Hulk. <laughs> now well, that one he, I is, he is large and 
and in, in charge. charge. <laughs> uh, so, so you're, there's this possibility of that. So again, you know, if they feel there's a weakness that there's a, a lane for them, the reality is we go back to Ross Perot and third party people tend tend to hurt the incumbent more than the challengers. Yeah, but Jay, didn't Tim Scott just going back to Tim Scott for a minute? Didn't he really kind of not? Catch fire or perform? He didn't really perform well in the debates. That's that wasn't his style. That wasn't his personality. He he doesn't. And I met with him the, uh, the morning after uh, the debate in Milwaukee, and he said none of the others were following the rules. I follow the rules. When the buzzer rings, I stop talking. He said and these people kept talking over me when I was talking. So it's not in his his uh, personality to do those kind of things. And Jimmy Fallon thought that he got terrible advice from. Him. He said. Kurt, you and Anthony would have been given him better advice as campaign advisors than what he had. Because it seemed like in the next debate, the second one, whichever one that was, he came out and then yeah. started to overcompensate, like just wouldn't stop talking and started interrupting himself. And it didn't seem like that helped. Yeah, I don't I don't think it was his advisors that were hurting him. I think it is not built for his personality and who he is. Uh, he's really a very, very nice man. He's very committed to helping this country. And he's just not a bomb thrower. And sometimes in debates, you have to be a bomb thrower. Jay, we're essentially out of time, but i got to get a last quick comment. We had a caller earlier in the show coming back to Vermont now, Burlington Mayor's Race, who suggested that uh, a person that you were very involved with, Christina Nolan, would be a fantastic candidate for mayor of Burlington. I think Christina Nolan would be a fantastic candidate for anything. And I suggest that you pick up the phone, give her a call, invite her on the show, and ask her how... Burlington can be fixed with the, with the drug problems, with the, the the crime problem. Bring her on the show. I think she has some suggestions. Even if she doesn't run, she may have some great suggestions for those who are running and how they can fix the problems that Burlington has. And the problems that Burlington has are reflective of what the problems the state has, and the state is reflective of the problems that we have at the national and world level. And things have to change, and they have to happen soon, or we're going to be in a heap of mess. There he is, everybody, Jay Shepard, the Republican National Committee man for Vermont. Jay, as always, thanks for being on the morning drive. We'll see you next year, 2024, I guess, unless we see you slightly before then. But uh, if we don't see you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the season and pray, because this is the season of prayer, and we need God's intervention to put a Republican back in the White House. Oh boy, he got that last one in, didn't he? Pulling for the he's pulling out all the stops. All right, thanks a lot, Jay. Thanks. We're gonna take a quick break, check in with ABC News.